This is Light On, Light Through, episode 42. And once again, a very special episode. We've had a lot of special episodes recently, but hey, we live in exciting times. Now, what I'm going to play for you is an interview that I didn't conduct. I was actually the subject of the interview. It took place on WGNU Radio out of St. Louis, Missouri. Meet me in St. Louis, Louis. The interviewer was Lloyd Sloan, and the show is the Sloan Ranger Show. And Lloyd is a very savvy guy. He asked me to come on and be interviewed about what I have found, and I've been talking about this on my podcast, regarding the media's misreporting of Ron Paul and what his supporters are doing and the strength of his supporters in the current campaign for the presidency. So I'm going to play for you the interview in its entirety. It's about 20 minutes long. You should know that it was recorded through a telephone connection. Uh, You'll hear a little bit of static in there. You won't hear the customary mellifluous tones that you're usually hearing on Light On, Light Through, but I think nonetheless the interview has some very good parts to it. So here then is the interview, and right after the interview, we'll return with the usual Light On, Light Through features, including our Flashes segment. Enjoy. Lloyd Sloan, the Sloan Ranger, back here with the Sloan Ranger Show, smartest talk on radio, and uh, delighted to have with me my guest, Paul Levinson. He's a professor of communication at uh, Fordham University, and uh, we're talking the subject of media bias here on the uh, Sloan Ranger Show today. Paul Levinson, welcome to the Sloan Ranger Show. Well, delighted to be here. And that's a, that is a topic that tends to get people riled up and stuff. But you say you think you got the goods, at least a smoking gun here recently on at least a little bit of story of media bias uh, surrounding the Ron Paul campaign here and uh, ABC News coverage of it. Uh, what did you discover? Well, there are at least four instances, and it's hard to believe that this is a coincidence. You know, one time maybe, but I'll go over each of them for you. Sure. The first uh, goes back to May uh, after a uh, Republican presidential debate, and ABC conducted an online poll uh, to see who won the debate. Well, Ron Paul won, came in first place, which surprised a lot of people. Then there was a discussion on ABC's online forum, and uh, after a brief period of time, comments from Ron Paul's supporters suddenly vanished. So other people came on and said, what happened to these comments? Their comments fell into this black hole also. Eventually, ABC said it was just some kind of technical error, but uh, it it was a pretty selective technical error. Next... There was the uh, debate uh, and, of course, the various uh, surge of supporters for various candidates, uh, and finally the the actual straw poll that took place uh, in Iowa. And uh, here, again, some interesting things happened. Uh, In reality, there were a lot of Ron Paul supporters. There were a lot of supporters from many candidates. I don't know if anyone took a survey to see how many supporters Romney had versus 
Ron Paul, but let, let's you know stipulate that they both had a lot of supporters, although probably Ron Paul had more. You wouldn't know that if you looked at uh, ABC's photographic coverage, uh, because again on its website there is a uh, a picture of Romney supporters, a bunch of cheering people holding up signs. And you know how many Ron Paul supporters there were in this uh, picture? The only picture that ABC showed? Oh, my goodness. One poor, <laughs> lonely guy uh, managing to hold up a, a placard for Ron Paul uh, and an umbrella. Yeah. Um, in the aftermath of the Iowa straw poll, as you mentioned, Ron Paul came in fifth. And that was a pretty impressive showing. Most people expect him to do far worse. Uh ABC had a discussion in its, on its green room television uh, segment, and I can understand even if they didn't mention the results of their own poll, they're not obligated to do that. But the person who was leading the discussion went out of his way to talk about how other people did in this straw poll, uh, people who didn't do as well as Ron Paul, and mysteriously Ron Paul's name was not mentioned. And then... In some ways, the thing that gets me angriest um, is um, someone that's really, you know, most pertinent to radio. Uh, it's a, a talk show host. I'm sure you heard of him. His name is Mark Levin. Yes. And he uh, he has a show here in, in New York City on WABC. He's also on the ABC radio network. And uh, he stooped so low as to urge his listeners to call in to Ron Paul's headquarters and basically say Ron Paul has no chance of winning. And frankly, you know, I've studied propaganda. This is classic Hitlerian disinformation. And I don't use that word lightly because it gets at the very roots of democracy. When, when you misreport uh, on a candidate, what you're really doing is robbing the American people of their capacity to make an objective choice. Yeah, they're filtering it pretty hard at that point, uh, for sure. My guest, uh, Paul Levinson, he's a uh, professor of communication at uh, Fordham University. We're talking media bias, particularly in the Ron Paul campaign. I will add one that I saw, Professor, because this, okay. this one got – I was in Iowa, I was at the straw poll, and uh, Romney had a lot of support there. I would say – it, the most supporters that I saw were either the Ron Paul or the uh, Romney people. And the others had a lot of supporters, too. But the, the Ron Paul, the, I mean, they were thick. They were real thick, and they were quite boisterous and loud as well. So I don't know where they got just one guy with a sign, but they must have had to break it up in order to even get that picture. Fox News, when they reported the results from Iowa, reported the top three and then the bottom, uh, you know, and then and then skipped down until they could get to the sixth and ninth candidates. And they deliberately skipped over both Ron Paul and Tom Tancredo in their reporting. And when when you see it visually, it looks like, oh, well, these must be the top four or five. And, and those have been mysteriously edited out. I thought that was as egregious as it gets, too. I don't understand it entirely. 
Well, I, I can t- tell you what it is, and uh, I mean, frankly, with all due respect to Fox, what they do doesn't surprise me. I, I did have a high regard for ABC, but what I think is really going on, it's not some nefarious plot against Ron Paul. What it basically is 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 that the the media, especially the mainstream media, are desperately afraid of becoming irrelevant. More and more people get their news on the internet. The, the truth of the matter is, you know, the television networks are in decline. And so they are desperately afraid of talking about a candidate that no one is interested in. And so when it turns out that there is a candidate that a lot of people are interested in, but he's coming in, I was going to say out of left field, maybe in Ron Paul's case out of the libertarian field would be a better metaphor, but, but the media are afraid of being gamed, of being played, and in, in trying to avoid that, they don't realize the damage that they're doing. Yeah, well, and to me, I would, bias or not biased, you want to at least report the facts and not mislead what those facts are. And when you're, when you're doctoring photos or when you're, uh, or, or trumping up photos or, or you're even censoring the results, uh, that's what, that's what drives people to the internet for sure, because they, they at least want an accurate, complete picture. And they're really, Undercutting. Is there such a thing as unbiased reporting? That was my response sometimes is I'm amazed that the media denies to be biased as much as they do. I, I think in political reporting, everybody has a bias. And I'm kind of on the other side of it. I, it, does, it doesn't shock me that the media is biased. It's like what shocks me is that when they pretend they're not. I agree with you completely. That's the first thing I teach my students. Don't deny obvious human nature. There has never been in existence, and there never will be, any kind of communication that isn't biased in one way or another. In some ways, not about Ron Paul, but but Fox News is the most ludicrous. Why do they claim they're fair and balanced? Why don't they just say, we're a a conservative, right-wing news reporting organization? What's wrong with that? You know, for some reason, all the media have to pretend that they're somehow straight down the middle, that they're not biased, and, and in fact, they are incredibly biased, which is another reason, by the way, why I think the Internet is so important, because there are so many voices on the Internet, there are so many venues, that even though each venue in itself may be biased, for the person looking for things online, you will find a very wide range of views and opinions, which you don't, unfortunately, get with the mass media. Yeah, no, I... I... That's what's driving part of it as well, because they do want to get the complete picture. And they, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Marxist, so I'm not going to sit and claim that you're going to get the best view of Marxism from, from me, as an example. I mean, I will be a critic of it. That doesn't necessarily make me a bad reporter, but it certainly means if you want to get the best side of Marxism, you don't come to me. You come to me when you want the criticisms and vice versa. And I, that disturbs me when you, when the, that slogan at Fox News becomes misleading then at that point, you yeah. know, you know, and they're not admitting who they are. That means they are, in a sense, duping some people who apparently are share the same bias and think that they, too, are unbiased. And that tends to make people less tolerant. Um, is, is your way of teaching journalism standard? Is that the way most people do it or is that just how you teach it? Because somebody is teaching these journalists, <laughs> you know, to say we are unbiased yeah. by God and I've never been biased. And I I. I just choke every time I hear that. Well, I feel the same way you do. Nothing I do is standard. And uh, I'm probably something uh, of a radical in the educational field because most journalism professors do teach their students two things. One, you have to try to be 
fair and unbiased. I certainly do that. But two, they never get to the next point, which is however much you might try, admit and acknowledge that you're only human. You know, if you think about the New York Times, it begins with them. Their credo for over a 100 years has been all the news that's fit to print. Yeah. That's nonsense. It's all the news that the editors at the New York Times deem fit to print. Uh, by the way, though, the Times has done a very good job covering Ron Paul just on that point. But, again, to go to another network, CBS. Remember Walter Cronkite? Some of your listeners may remember he would end every one of his newscasts sonorously, yeah. and that's the way it was. I don't think so. What a or, great and, line. <laughs> yeah. that, and that's the way a small band of editors here at CBS <laughs> thought you should think it was. I mean, that, I guess that doesn't have the same poetic meter. But th there's this obsession of hiding the bias, and it only makes it worse. I mean, you know, getting back to ABC, why don't they admit it? Why don't they apologize to the American people and get on with it? Say, look, we were wrong. There are at least four instances where our people did damage to the democratic process. We're sorry. We'll try to make sure it doesn't happen again. Instead, you get nothing but stony silence. Yeah, we're undoubtedly in agreement. One other axe to grind. It's interesting. Today is the anniversary, believe it or not, of the first Lincoln-Douglas debate. I'm going to make a point out of this somehow. <laughs> but um, I, I, in those days, you know, and that's a top-notch debate. It obviously helped the country incredibly. And it was just, uh, I mean, the whole country followed the reporting of that. And it was extremely important as a real true first-rate debate on slavery took place in Illinois, um, starting on this date back 18, I guess, uh, 58. Mm -hmm. um, the reporting of it, though, uh, C-SPAN reenacted those debates, and the way they, they found the transcripts was in those days every newspaper was biased, and they would put their bias right on their, their title because it would be, you know, the Springfield Republican, the uh, Chicago Democrat. These were the titles of the papers, and they would do a very good job of reporting their own guy's <laughs> um, side of the debate and do a rather sloppy job reporting the other guy's side. But by getting, by getting paper from both sides, you could piece the truth together. I think something changed with broadcasting. When broadcasting first comes in, it is the first truly regulated media that we get. I mean, the federal government wouldn't have licensed a newspaper back in the 1850s, but we sure as heck think it's their job to license all the broadcasting and uh, in ways that we would never have accepted for newspapers. And I think that's where the myth of this unbiased comes from, because I think it's a way that the journalists justify in their own mind all that regulation is just kind of like, well, it doesn't really count because everything we do is unbiased anyway. So, so, it's, so it's safe. It's okay to regulate. What's your take? Of, how do you react to that? That's my weird theory. Well, I think it's a very good theory. I mean, first of all, uh, the first point is you're completely right. Bias is not something that's new. It certainly went back to the newspaper coverage of the Lincoln-Douglas debates. I, I have a novel called The Plot to Save Socrates. It's a science fiction novel, but a lot of it is political, and it's about how democracy went wrong way back then because people were saying things about Socrates that were just weren't true, that somehow he was undermining the morality of the youth of Athens. He was just speaking his mind, and he eventually paid for it with his, with his life. But I agree with you. What happened with broadcasting is there was a concern that somehow there was such power in broadcasting that it had to be regulated. 
even though that wasn't the reason, as I'm sure you know, that the FCC wasn't created. In the first place, the FCC was created just to make sure that Station A didn't broadcast so close in frequency to Station B that the two drowned each other out. But the government can't help itself. And from my perspective, and this is one of the reasons why I admire Ron Paul, the FCC, the Federal Communications Act, any kind of federal regulation of any broadcast or any other medium is blatantly unconstitutional. And if I had the power, I would bring down some federal marshals and I would arrest everyone in the FCC right now and I would bring them up on charges of treason. And I would do the same to Congress and anyone who supported that because these people are violating the Constitution. You know, if I drive 66 miles an hour in a 65 mile an hour zone, a police officer can pull me over and if he can prove or she can prove that I was driving that fast, I'll have to pay a fine. But The federal government can violate not a a traffic law, but the supreme law of the land, the First Amendment to the Constitution, not even the Fifth or the Seventh, the very first. And it does it all the time. It does it every day with the Federal Communications Commission. And that has to stop, and Americans need to become aware of that. My engineer, Rich LaCroix, has just turned white as a ghost. I'm not sure we can say these things about the FCC here on the air. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, but the man saying this, I want to make clear, is Paul Levinson, okay? The yep. <laughs> professor of Communications, Fordham University. And uh, um, also, great title for a book, uh, Plot to Kill Socrates, that or pl- not, not kill Socrates, like what, free Socrates? The plot to save Save Socrates. Socrates, yeah. yeah, awesome. That title alone should interest Spielberg, in my opinion. That thing should go straight to the straight to the filmmakers, probably immediately. And uh, um, delightful guest, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And uh, any parting thoughts? Well, actually, if they do make a movie out of it, I'll make sure you're at the premiere. Oh, but, but uh, that'd <laughs> part, be great. The parting thoughts are that actually, maybe because I'm not the only one who's talking about these things. I mean, I, there are many people who are aware of the short shrift that Ron Paul has uh, received. I think it is beginning to get better, and uh, I'm actually hopeful that with all this talk and all this scrutiny, we may have the the most fair election in. in recent american history that would be nice i mean it's uh i'm i'm afraid i here i'm more cynical i think um and incidentally i i should disclose myself because i i like ron paul myself i mean i just uh he's probably about the closest to my own politics that i come within the two parties right now but um so that way i can disclose my own bias freely I'm afraid we're going to pick two presidential candidates, and Hillary may be one of them, and the American people are going to be so disgusted by these candidates by November 2008, um, they may all stay home. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that would be uh, not even a science fiction novel. That would be a nightmare novel. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But, you know, we have a long time between then and now, and this is about the earliest uh, I ever recall people being so focused on this. What I think, by the way, would be a good idea in any case is for people to work for the best candidates in both parties and then we have the best choice so actually you know in terms of disclosing bias I, I'm a hundred percent for Ron Paul as the Republican candidate uh, and I haven't made up my mind yet about the, uh, the Democratic candidates but there are some good Democratic candidates uh, possible candidates as well so 
I think we have to try to break out of just supporting one candidate, one party, uh, because that can sometimes lead to not the best results. See, I have to go with Hillary on the Democrat side because she is just so good for the talk show business. I mean, big time. <laughs> so a little bit selfish motive there. Nothing to do with issues or anything. Just kind of that's money in my pocket if Hillary gets elected. Well, hey, nothing wrong with selfishness. And look, I think actually it would be good for America to have a woman president. Yeah. And it would be good for America to have an African-American president. These are, these are good things. I just don't agree with uh, some of Hillary's uh, positions. I, uh, her husband, Bill Clinton, signed into law the Communications Decency Act of 1996, which was trying to bring the same kind of FCC scrutiny that radio and television undergo to the Internet. And fortunately, the Supreme Court, in a rare display of good judgment, struck down that law as unconstitutional. So I'll need to hear from Hillary some kind of strong statement that she's going to keep the government out of the realm of communication. A woman president would be nice, but uh, Hillary might also be nice, too. That's kind of my position on that. Uh, Thank you, um, Professor Paul Levinson. uh, Thanks so much for being a guest today. Thoroughly enjoyed it uh, here on the Sloan Ranger Show. The Light on Light Through podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's Blueberry with no E's dot com. And now a word from our new sponsor, GoToMyPC. Communication theorists know that there are two kinds of information that we need to thrive in this world. One kind of information comes from the mass media, newspapers, radio, television. The other is information that we ourselves may create or write. Now, you can get the information on radio and television and the Internet just about anywhere. So what do you do when you have some very valuable information that's on your home computer and you're out there traveling somewhere, maybe across town, across the country? Use GoToMyPC and you'll discover the power and freedom of the web. Try it free right now for 30 days with unlimited access. For this special offer, just visit gotomypc.com forward slash podcast. That's gotomypc.com forward slash podcast. You are listening to a Runaway Network podcast from runawaynetwork.com. Yes, indeed, and the LightOnLightThrough.com podcast is now proud to be part of two networks, the Blueberry Network, which is sweet, and the Runaway Network, which is very edgy. And in fact, you'll find a lot of sweet and edgy stuff in the LightOnLightThrough.com podcast. Hey, and back with our Flashes section. First, I want to let you know that I'll be making an in-person appearance this coming Tuesday night in Manhattan at 7.30 p.m. Where? The Village Poor House. That's pretty clever, right? P-O-U-R, house. It's located at 64 3rd Avenue, and that's 3rd Avenue and 11th Street. Southwest Corner. I've been invited by the New York City Ron Paul Meetup Group to talk about some of the same things you've just heard me talking about with the Sloan Ranger on WGNU Radio. And I'll have a few additional things to say as well. I'll be focusing a lot on not only what's been done that's wrong, 
regarding Ron Paul, but what supporters of Ron Paul and Americans in general can do to combat that. And again, this is not just something that concerns Ron Paul. It should be of concern to everyone who values the democratic process, because when the media misreport they are, are really undermining the very capacity of the American people to choose the best candidate. So I hope to see some of you on Tuesday night, again, 7.30 p.m., 3rd Avenue and 11th Street at the Village Poorhouse. Hey, Endeavor made it back to Earth okay, carrying with it Barbara Morgan, the brave teacher, who, in effect, resumed Krista McAuliffe's flight that was cut so tragically short when the Challenger exploded shortly after takeoff back in the 1980s. So I'm really heartened and glad to see that a teacher did again go out to space. And as my listeners know, and you therefore know, I've talked about this many times, I think the future of our species resides in the cosmos. We'll never find out who we really are. We'll never get much more knowledge about the meaning of life if we stay confined to this little speck of Earth, this little speck in the cosmos, which is our planet Earth. So good for Barbara Morgan, good for the space program for another success. In a few years, there'll be a new fleet replacing the shuttles. I think that's good. We're dealing with very old technology now. Every flight is a risk, but thank goodness this one made it back. And finally, uh, in the realm of television, just uh, a note again about Californication. I talked about this last week. I think the show's hilarious. One of the funny shows to come along. And uh, next month in September, Dexter will be back. And I'm certainly looking forward to that, too. And that's the sweet music of our promo suite. That means we're coming to the end of this episode of Light On, Light Through. But coming up, you'll hear a great promo for Mike Thinks. MikeThinks.com, the savviest podcast in town. Go over and take a listen. You'll definitely enjoy it. Hey, and you're going to hear a promo for Sean Farrell's patio book of my first novel, The Silk Coat. Sean has actually finished the patio book now. As a special treat, you'll hear an interview that Sean did with me. Actually, I don't know how much of a treat it is for you to hear more of my voice, but Sean did do a very good interview, and you can hear that now, as well as the complete patio book. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Sean's webpage. Just go over to lightonlightthrough.com, and you'll find a link for it. And you'll also hear a promo for the Punk Horror Podcast as well. So listen, it's been great talking to you. I look forward to talking to you next time. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy.
check out the Mike Thinks podcast, www.mikethinks.com. News and current events with an opinion. The Mike Thinks podcast. It's the news you missed. www.mikethinks.com. Locus award-winning novel by Paul Levinson comes to life in this free podcast novel. Journey into the ancient world, witness the wonder of ages past, and join Phil D'Amato in a struggle against forces both ruthless and unseen. Visit www.thesilkcode.blogspot.com to learn more about the author and the novel. And subscribe today at patiobooks.com. Join the battle Witness the wonder, or forever be victim to the awe and power of the Silk Code. Phil D'Amato is ready. Are you? Punk Horror Podcast, coming to you every other week from Punk Horror Press. Featuring The Punk and the Pastor, a movie review show featuring David Giannis and Stacey Campbell. And author Red Fiction, featuring the best in horror and punk fiction. Don't miss it. Subscribe now at www.punkhorror.com.